Hey everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of A Decade Under the Influence, A Decade Rewind. Today, we have something super duper special for you. Uh, something that me and Jake uh, are so excited about. Avidly. Of course, I am your host, uh, Lucas Larry Ross. That is Jake Lawrence, uh, and we are ready. Ready to, to rock go. and roll here. Guys. Ready to fucking ready, rock and ready roll. Ready to shine. Psychedelic style. Yeah, need to shine, shine on. like a crazy diamond. Ooh, that's right. We're talking about "Wish You Were Here" by Pink Floyd. Uh, I've honestly, believe... I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this day. I really have. When we when we review when we review Pink Floyd, because oh man, oh man, oh, man. I'm just I am just so excited, folks. I'm so excited as well. I mean, like the the thing that I'm really really excited for is that you know with our uh, with our regular uh, a decade under episodes, um, you know, we're really only seeing a snapshot of what uh, is happening 2010 and prior. And up until this point, I think the earliest album that we've talked about uh, is in an airplane over the sea by neutral milk hotel, um, which even then, you know, it's still in the nineties, still in the nineties. You know, this album, we're going way back. We're way treating this back. rewind as a real honest to God time machine. A real honest to God time machine. Welcome, also, my son. Uh, we're gonna uh, the next couple of albums that we're gonna be doing on a decade rewind are gonna be uh, oldies but classics. Yeah, I'd say uh, classics. Calling them oldies feels weird, man. Well, I, oldies in the sense of like they're old. You know, if, I, if, <laughs> if, if if I if I had a dad, he would have listened to them in Nam. Things like that. Way to make it just um, like super dark right off the bat. I'm just saying, dude. I mean, you know, Nom had good music. Anyway. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> so, uh, we're talking about Wish You Were Here, Pink Floyd. That This band doesn't necessarily need a little bit of an introduction. But just uh, in but case you guys have never heard for, of fucking Pink Floyd. For those of you who don't know, uh, Pink Floyd was slash still kind of is. Not really. Um, not really. I, I, a couple members I, I, died. I would say... Yeah, and I think they were just like, you know what, we don't, we no longer have Richard Wright. I think, uh, I think we're set. I mean, that's fair. Uh, so they were uh, a progressive rock band from London, England. Uh, they were originally formed in 1965. Uh, they were known, really, kind of specifically for their uh, very psychedelic prog rock. Uh, that's uh, kind of in the middle of their discography. Took on a very political undertone. Way in the middle. Um, so Way in the middle, definitely. Um, they were hailed for their like crazy philosophical lyrics and experimental impl- implementation of rock music. So the thing that I think uh, I really kind of wanted to say this uh, to kind of get it uh, out in the open um, is that I am a huge fan of experimental music, right? It's also part of the reason why I love uh, the Beatles so much. Uh, is because the Beatles was able to take a massive platform that they stood on um, and then do something very new and interesting and experimental and uh, kind of crazy, right? Sure. Um, and, and I feel like, uh, you know, they kind of existed in a little bit of the same time frame, but I feel like as far as like experimental music and experimental rock music, um, it kind of started uh, with some... Uh, bands uh specifically more artists in the 50s um and then it kind of got picked up by the beatles uh the beatles did what they did with it um and then uh they kind of passed the buck on uh to pink floyd yeah um, absolutely after, after i mean after pink floyd i personally believe that uh you know queen had a huge uh role in that entire thing and then of course we have a massive musical boom of the 90s and 2000s uh up until the 2010s oh, yeah, um and 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 so yeah uh, so it kind of stands to reason that Pink Floyd is kind of almost a pioneer. Well, and I feel of, one thing uh, that should be said uh, is prior to uh, Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd was kind of extremely underground. Like, oh yeah, they were they had very strange prog rock vibes. Uh, I mean, when they first started, it was really a very like really experimental. Like when they had exactly. Sid Barrett. And he was just slapping well, his guitar during the re- during the recording sessions and and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it, I feel like it should be known that that this is technically Pink Floyd's like second big release. Exactly, and that's actually a really good segue. So the original lineup of Pink Floyd uh, consisted of students, 
uh, Sid Barrett, Nick, Na- Nick Mason, uh, Roger Waters on bass and vocals, and Richard Wright on keyboards and vocals, right? And so uh, their first debut was written by Sid Barrett, and Sid Barrett uh, was essentially kind of uh, hailed as the group's front man. He's also the right? one who coined the name Pink Floyd. It's true. Uh, because they were going to be called the Pink, Pink Floyd, Floyd Sound. Yeah, the, the Pink, the Floyd, Pink Sound. Floyd Sound. And before that, they were going through real, really wacky uh, iterations of their names. So after the debut, uh, they got the guitarist and vocalist David Gilmore, uh, who I argue uh, is one of the most important members of Pink Floyd. Oh, 100%. Um, uh, they're 100%. not the band they are without David Gilmore. 100%. So... Um, essentially, uh, during that whole underground uh, phase of Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett, uh, the frontman, exited the group after experiencing like a crazy deteriorating mental state from taking so many hallucinogens, specifically LSD. A lot of um, LSD in, in poor Sid Barrett. And Melted following his, his... his schizophrenic brain. Exactly. Uh, following his departure, uh, Roger Waters became the kind of frontman, lead vocalist, lead songwriter, uh, and quote conceptual director <laughs> for the band fucking cunt. oh my Damn god it. yeah Let, let's just put it out in the open roger <laughs> waters is a cunt he's a, um, he's a necessary cunt though unfortunately absolutely 100 percent. his art is fantastic but he oh he's is, just such a little uh <sighs> so once god. roger waters took over as the front man and the lead vocalist and songwriter and conceptual director <laughs> um they released uh, their actual breakout album. Something that I personally consider to be like a second debut record. Uh, kind of the, oh, it was yeah. called The Dark Side of the Moon. Now, we're probably going to talk about The Dark Side of the Moon uh, in later episodes. We're probably going to talk gonna about gonna a lot into of that. Floyd in later episodes. Like, and so, Dark Side of the Moon... Intro. Dark Side of the Moon is technically their eighth studio album. <laughs> Just so great, God damn it! It's 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 nuts. Um, like at that point, most bands would have given up. Um, but <laughs> it's so true, man. Um, so at this point, it's it, you know, suffice it to say, they are seasoned musicians prior to Dark Side of the Moon coming out, right? Which ultimately brings us to the release of Wish You Were Here, right? Wish You Were Here. Essentially, uh, just a little bit of a of a backstory. Also, uh, if you guys really want to delve more into this uh there are some fantastic uh documentaries about pink floyd um it's available right on youtube yeah one of them is available on youtube and it's literally about three available on youtube perfect uh (laughs) it's literally about uh the concepts behind this album the writing of this album everything they have they interviewed the band members a lot of the research you're going to be hearing today came from this specific documentary. documentary fantastic documentary Incredible. You get to see David Gilmore's frickin' uh, houseboat studio. I believe it's just... called The Story of Wish You Were Here, right? That's what it's called? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, just look up on YouTube, The Story of Wish You Were Here. Um, it's roughly about like 45 no, minutes no, to an, it's hour an hour long. and five minutes. Uh, hour and five minutes, that's right. Um, and it's absolutely worth it. I wasn't bored at all. It, it's, it's fantastic. You just learn a lot of really um, cool stuff that we are going to now... Relay on to, well, not all of it, obviously, but we're going to relay a lot of information uh, to you guys from this Absolutely. specific documentary. So after Sid Barrett uh, left and they uh, essentially started uh, doing everything uh, as a band, uh, touring and things like that, they were still uh, relatively underground, right? Dark Side of the Moon came out and they, uh, you know, met with crazy record executives. Well, they got commercial and... success, like... Exactly. Boom! It's just they exploded. Uh, so then they started. They started a massive tour uh, with Dark Side of the Moon. Now, uh, Dark Side of the Moon was huge, and because Dark Side of the Moon was so huge, and because Roger Waters uh, kind of pioneered that album, um, he felt like he had more creative control over the entire group. Um, and him and David Gilmore uh, wrote uh, three songs, three new songs while on tour. Um, yep. Two of them actually didn't make it onto this album, uh, but uh, they did write uh, a song called Shine On You Crazy Diamond, uh, and it had nine parts. <laughs> it sure did. And when they performed it on tour, uh, there is a very, very specific article uh, that was written by a guy named Nick Kent, 
um, who was a the huge music fanboy, and he was a music reviewer, and he hated it. He hated everything about it. He thought that their performance was terrible, lackluster, just boring. And he's even he's even in this documentary. And he still is like, I still don't think it's a good song. I still think that it was lifeless and terrible. I'm like, bruh, like, oh, the they're fuck, fucking man. Pink like, Floyd. Well, and it's it's beyond it just like being Pink Floyd, right? Because when you listen to, say, Dark Side of the Moon, and you get, you know, I have this problem with Dark Side of the Moon of where I can't just listen to any particular song. I can't start the album without legitimately finishing the album. Um, like it's just, to me, Dark Side of the Moon is one giant fucking incredible song, right? And when you go from that to something like Shine on You Crazy Diamond, there are obviously going to be comparisons made. But Shine on You Crazy Diamond could easily, I think personally, have been included on Dark Side of the Moon because of its just incredible musicality, the themes, and everything about it. Um, is it's just beautiful. It's it's. I mean, in, in, it's a nine part song. It could have been an entire fucking album. So like, agreed. It, you know this this Nick Kent gentleman obviously got into into the uh, specifically Roger Waters head. I mean, David Gilmore is, was much more level headed than I'd say Roger Waters. Um, and uh, Roger Waters it took it to heart and and started going extra hard, causing a rift in the band during the time of Wish You Were Here. And, um, well, I mean, this is, what we have now, I guess, is kind of a result of that. Exactly. And so one thing that, uh, you know, Roger Waters and, and David Gilmore um, are kind of talking about is that the, I guess, the surrounding atmosphere uh, that Wish You Were Here was uh, kind of, Released in, written in, recorded in. Uh, well, it like was, was it was bleak. Exactly. I mean, Roger Waters uh, clearly states that there were multiple times where he'd rather be doing literally anything else than making this album. Uh, even even David Gilmore, Nick Mason, and Richard Wright said, "Like, yeah, we could have broken up in this time, and it probably would have been fine because at this point, all of us were off doing our own thing." It had absolutely become a job. And that's where a lot of the themes of this album come from. Like heavy, it's heavy no longer, themes. No longer really loving it's be, what they It's were being doing. disenchanted, right? Like it's, it's uh, you know, there's obvious, there's a lot on this album about disdain towards record executives. Uh, there's a lot on this album about kind of losing who you are uh, to the process itself. So there's a lot of double entendres in this album. Oh, 100%. Uh, I mean, that... if, there's, if there's anything about this album, it's, it's that it's certainly thematic. And as much as I dislike Roger Waters, that is 100% due to him. Musicality-wise, I 100% believe David Gilmore was the one behind the fantastic sound of this album. Yeah, the fantastic production. Uh, and, and sonically, uh, like the way that they play with soundscapes and things like that. Oh, absolutely. Super revolutionary for something released 1970. Using the synthesizer to make all those wind sounds and, and and the engineering that they put into it, you know, I mean, it was, it's, it's just nuts. Pretty impressive. Ultimately, this album is about two separate things, right? Um, it is about. Uh, coping with fame, like internally, uh, and being able to kind of rationalize it, being able to kind of come to terms with it, being able to uh, really kind of uh, exist in a world uh, that no longer existed prior to something that you created, right? Uh, and, and that's something that they specifically talk about, is that, you know, they wanted to be successful so badly, because uh, this is their, this is now their, their ninth, ninth album um and they wanted to be successful so badly and they really they, i mean they, they were successful you know they, now, exactly and now that they were successful uh it was very disenchanting um so that's really uh one the grass uh, is always greener right like exactly like it's one of those situations of of they really wanted to be successful until they didn't want to 
realizing that success was a hindrance to them as opposed to the grandeur and the glory. Uh, It was more of a, well, shit. (laughs) And now there's, now there's pressure on us and now we can't just kind of create what we want to anymore. Exactly. I mean, when you have seven studio albums before your breakout hit, you're kind of just doing whatever the fuck you want. I mean, you go back and listen to albums like Metal or Amagama or fucking Saucer Full of Secrets even, right? Or Piper at the Gates of Dawn. That's not the Pink Floyd that we all know to this day, right? Like, personally, my favorite Pink Floyd album is Metal, but it is certainly not, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, or The Wall. I mean, those are all, or Animals even. Those were all during yeah. a very specific stage in Pink Floyd's lifespan. And that stage, again, unfortunately, is run by Roger Waters. Now, I mean, the way that they're kind of coping with fame, uh, they, they do it in two separate ways on this album. This album is only five tracks. Um, I mean, it's bookended by Shine On You Crazy Diamond, uh, parts one. I believe it's parts one through four. One through one through six, and then oh, no, one, one through, through five and, and six through nine. Yeah, perfect. Um, so uh, they do that, right? And that entire, uh, I guess, single track or two tracks is about Sid Barrett and essentially using Sid Barrett as a uh, almost like a martyr to what the music industry does to people, what fame does to people, what success does to people, and what a lack of self-control does to people. And then... And even the name uh, is, and I feel like this should be said, even the name is specifically meant to mean Sid. Shine on you, crazy diamond. You know. Sid. Fun fun stuff. I mean, that's pretty clever. And so, the three middle tracks, uh, Welcome to the Machine, Have a Cigar, and uh, Wish Wish You Were Here, um... All of them are a little bit more uh, kind of on the nose uh, with well, what they're kind of talking about. I mean, you know, when, you come, when it comes down to like, uh, welcome to the machine and have a cigar, those are certainly on the nose. And then Wish You Were Here is a, probably what I'd say the most open-ended song on the album. I mean, Roger Waters himself said, you know, I know what the song means to me, but it ac- absolutely can mean legitimately anything to anybody. Whereas, of course. you know, when you get into... Uh, the next track on the album, which is Welcome to the Machine, it's pretty clear, like, what the fuck they're talking about. It, it's certainly a precursor to, Absolutely. I'd say, The Wall. Absolutely. And and so, really, the thing that I love about Wish You Were Here so much is that um, it, it can be taken in so many ways. However, the way that I kind of perceive it in the context of the album um, is that I personally believe that and I, and I know that I always come back to this, uh, but it, it is it is essentially a song written uh, by Pink Floyd about Pink Floyd. Right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, can see that. In that, like, they don't feel like they are the same people anymore. Post Dark Side of the Moon, they don't feel like Sid Barrett is the same guy anymore. Post leaving Pink Floyd, um, and he left in nineteen sixty eight. Exactly. Which was a year Uh, after they dropped Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Exactly. And so, I like, personally, I think that Wish You Were Here is essentially kind of a callback to what they used to be and how they wish they could kind of get back there um, together, right? It could also be something, you know, very less philosophical well i mean um, and, and, and just really specifically like, talking about sid barrett uh it could be talking about former lovers it could be talking it about comes back to but, sid barrett a lot um specifically in in a lot of the uh more selfish sounding lyrics in the song uh but like you know like they said it's a very open-ended song and i think that's why it's i believe rated the number one acoustic song of all time it is uh i i'm i'm fairly positive like that's a legitimate thing and and i feel like it's because it's so open-ended that anybody can listen to wish you were here whether you love pink floyd or hate pink floyd you at the very least know of the song i mean by now i get get the fuck out if you're telling me you don't know 
wish you were here. Um, Fine, painful. Absolutely. It's, it's universally just this, it, it's universally known. But, um, you know, what I want to do is kind of step away from speaking about specifically the track Wish You Were Here. I really want to talk about and uh, Welcome to the Machine. I'm down. I'm totally down. So Welcome to the Machine is the second track on the album. Uh, and it's the first of, I'd say it's the first track Pink Floyd has ever really released up to this point that was talking about a very dystopian, like Orwellian, uh, Brave New World-esque topic, right? Because the entire idea of the machine is that life is made for you, right? Like, for instance, Welcome to the Machine is, they're saying like, you were born, right? And now we're going to mold your life, right? And this, again, comes kind of back to Sid Barrett of, yes, you lost your mind and you did all these hallucinogens and all this stuff, but in a very kind of uh, paranoid way, that's what your life was meant to be. Um, and, and, you know, when you call back to, to some of the, the crazier lyrics, I don't, I don't have them on hand right at this very second, but it's a very dark, very dreary, very angry song. And that's not something you would really have expected from Pink Floyd up to this very moment. Now, I know you're all probably thinking like the wall is very dark and very angry, but I feel like I said, this feels like a precursor to what the wall had become. Um, my, this, this entire album was a turning point in Pink Floyd's music, really. I mean, because before this, it was all about this, this wild, wonderful, fantastical not insanity, but very psychedelic in nature and talking about life. And, you know, um, it's, it's very interesting in that way. Right. And, you know, even just the, you know, the opening verse, uh, on welcome to the machine, right. Uh, where have you been? It's all right. We know where you've been. Exactly. Uh, you've been in the pipeline filling in time, providing with toys for scouting for boys. Uh, you bought a guitar to punish your ma, and you didn't like school, and you know you're nobody's, you're fool. nobody's fool. So welcome to the machine. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean... That like, can also... Is- I mean, that can also delve right back into the idea of, of getting into the music industry in the first place. Right? Because, Absolutely. you know, you bought a guitar to torture your ma, you know, like, well, welcome to the machine, motherfucker. This is what it's like to be exactly. a part of the music industry. And again, this does call back to that idea of Pink Floyd is very avidly displeased with the music industry uh, over this entire album. Um, and again, though, I, I feel like they, this song is, is heavily about, about life, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, which again is a theme that, that Pink Floyd uh, speaks about fairly often, but in a much more cynical, much more dark demeanor than you would hear off of something like Metal or, or Dark Side of the Moon or you know anything leading up to it. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and one thing that I think is very kind of, uh, I guess, kind of interesting about uh, Welcome to the Machine is that it, it kind of just provides a perspective uh, of the music industry as a whole, right? Um, whereas when we move into uh, Have a Cigar... It's very on the nose. <laughs> it is very... It is, well, it switches, it also, switches perspective. Also, let me stop you for a second. Great segue. Got to give you that. It's a good segue right there, man. Well, yeah, you know. You know. That's what I do. That's a segue boy. Hey, thanks, buddy. <laughs> so... Uh, with Have a Cigar, little fun fact. Roy Harper. Sorry, I love Roy that. Roy fucking Harper. And the thing that I think is so hilarious uh, and honestly kind of asshole-ish um, about this whole situation is that, uh, <laughs> that Roy Roger Harper... Waters is a fucking cunt? No. Uh, I mean, David Gilmore is to blame for this as well. So basically, uh, with Have a Cigar, they were originally going to have David Gilmore and Roger Waters uh, sing the chorus and lyrics and uh, verse together. and everything 
Um, and, and so they were going to like do this weird, like harmonizing thing. Um, but it wasn't really working. Both of them weren't <laughs> like, this, this comes Roger back Waters. to them feeling the way that they did about this entire album in the first place. Exactly. They, they really just weren't putting anything into it. So, uh, Roy Harper, uh, was at Abbey Road Studios where this album was recorded. Shouts out to Abbey Road Studios. Shouts out to Abbey Road. Um, so he had toured previously with Pink Floyd. He knew them very well, um, kind of hung out with the band quite a bit. Uh, and he was recording in the next room. Uh, they had spent, I think they said roughly about two days trying to get these, the, this like vocal delivery. Well, they correct. tried a rendition with Gilmore and, and Roger Waters was like, Waters. no, your voice is too high. And then they try to rendition with, with Roger Waters and his just sounded too bleak and dreary. Like something that you have to remember is David Gilmore and Roger Waters like did not fucking like each other. No, like none at of them all. Did. No, you know, it's me. A lot of them just didn't really like fucking Roger, dude. Like I, I can't, True. you know, when there's somebody in that, in that, you know, power position, uh, if that's what you want to say. Uh, and he starts to get a little big headed. I, you know, you're not going to fucking like that guy. I mean, Nick Mason and, and Richard Wright, uh, are fantastic musicians and and of course they contributed to these albums but David Gilmore and Roger Waters were the ones that really their struggle internally with one another is kind of what made these albums so fucking good absolutely and you know i mean we saw the exact same thing uh with uh fun recently right uh with Nate Ruiz uh being like i am fun i am this band you guys contribute nothing. Um, and like Jack Antonoff and Andrew Dost were like, well then fuck you. Like we're just going to go do our own thing. Jog on. Um, and, and they essentially did. Right. And it was kind of a, sim- a similar thing with Pink Floyd. But anyway, back to this vocal delivery. Yeah. Back to so the vocal spent, delivery. Sorry. Little, they spent two fucking days on this vocal delivery. Um, and they tried everything. They tried doing it together. They tried doing all of these different things and, and they weren't really into it. So Roy Harper was next door. Roy, Roy Harper comes in. He's like, fuck it. I'll try it. Yeah. Why Roy not? Harper, you know, worst case scenario. It sucks. Roy Harper slaughters it. Fucking just kills. Fucking, just murders the delivery. This song so fucking good. Would not be nearly as good as it is without then, Roy Harper. The worst part. This is this is where I think it's a little ash holish, is that Roy Harper doesn't have any fucking credits. He never got paid for he, any of okay, his fucking okay. vocal work. He did get paid, but a lot of people around the world think it's fucking Roger Waters singing, and and we're here to to set the fucking score straight, guys. Okay, it's Roy Harper. He ain't that good. Roger Waters is okay. Again, I don't fucking like the guy, but he is good. No, what I'm saying is his vocal delivery is not nearly as good as Roy Harper's. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you go and watch this documentary, you can hear both Gilmore and Waters (laughs) vocal delivery, and it's nothing compared to Roy Harper's. And and I want to get into something uh, that I feel is very important with this song in particular is without Roy Harper doing this, this song would have come off as so disingenuous, right? Because the problem with this song and the entire theme of this song is it is not through the eyes of Pink Floyd themselves. It is not meant to sound like Pink Floyd even. If you really go back and listen to Have a Cigar, it is certainly a departure considering the rest of the album or the rest of their work up to this point. I mean, it's, it's kind of, kind of groovy. It's kind of funky and it's just kind of very, um, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but very for the time, you know what I mean? It, it, it was the single for a reason. It, it was a very accessible song. And had they not had Roy Harper do the vocal delivery, this song would not be nearly as good as it is today. I mean, it's very true. And this is kind of what I was talking about with perspective is that, uh, you know, welcome to the machine is really just about the music, uh, industry as a whole. Uh, whereas have a cigar is very much about 
like an actual conversation with a record executive with a record executive that Pink Floyd had like my favorite line. I know that this is Jake's. Oh, absolutely. Ten out of 10. Um, is at the end of the first verse. Uh, this band is just fantastic. That's really uh, what that I is think. really what I think. Oh, by the way, which one's, which one's pink? pink? I, it's fucking like, come on, come on. And it's so good. And, and the best part of that is it's a very real lyric. Uh, David Gilmore in this documentary again says like that was actually asked of us at almost every, like every executive. Re- record executive would ask us like, Oh, which one's pink? Cause they all like, thought hey, that, wh- wh- that pink Floyd was like the singer, the front man of the band. Yep. They had absolutely no fucking idea. They probably had never listened to any of their music. Exactly. Uh, yeah. They, they really just wanted, uh, you know, something to fucking cash out on. Uh, which is really exactly what both Welcome to the Machine and Have a Cigar are about. Absolutely. And then, and then at the end of this song, uh, Jake actually has a really fun, super fun about story about this. Um, but they, this is what I'm kind of talking about with the experimentation. Uh, is that at the end of this song, uh, it sounds like your speakers blew. <laughs> kind of, it's, uh, it just sounds like something, something not so good happened. Right, like to me, what it to me what it sounds like phew. is, yeah, to like the old like analog box TVs. Yeah, yeah. When you turn them off, um, and it's like phew. exactly, and you can see the picture like kind of crumble into the center a little bit, which was super cool. Noise. By the way, it really was. I wish I could. Um, I wish TVs now would do that, or something, or just something. Uh, you know, it was like a little theatrical moment, just just a little bit. Uh, but <laughs> that happens. That happens. Uh, and then it goes into this sonically. very radio, um, like your headphone got slightly unplugged sound. Like you are listening through a tin can, tin can uh, yeah. uh, to something that is happening in a pool next door. Um, like that's, that's kind of what it sounds like. And then it transitions into the beginning of Wish You Were Here. And, and this entire and this- time, uh, like it's a, I think it's a good like 20 or like 30 second stretch from the end of have a cigar to the beginning of wish you were here. You're just kind of confused. I mean, especially if you're listening to this album for the first time, um, it's just kind of like, okay, well what, what's going to, you know, what happened with the sound exactly. and it is just so fucking perfect and so beautifully done that the way the sound comes back. <laughs> especially especially with the the way go ahead and go ahead and tell your story okay okay so so my dad is the reason that i'm super into pink floyd uh back when i was in middle school he would you know tell me about pink floyd all the time he got me into a bunch of cool prog rock you know he got me into emerson lake and palmer yes pink floyd um <laughs> i call it good fleetwood mac <laughs> anyway nice. anyway um so he was telling me about this album in particular after we had had like, you know, four to five hour long talks about Dark Side of the Moon and everything before that. Um, and he was telling me about this album in particular. And, and you know, obviously it was the 70s. So it was a time of, of being uh, slightly dazed and, and, and out of it. Egregiously fucking hot. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to put my dad on blast here, but. Um, essentially what he said was he had just invested like, like a thousand dollars and this is 1970s money in this state of the art vinyl like system with these beautiful speakers and a preamp Macintosh preamp and all this like insane stuff. He went full on audiophile, like to the point of no return with this setup, right? Uh, and of course, naturally the day that this album came out, he went to the record store, bought it first edition, took it home, plopped it onto that turntable, did whatever he did, and then just started listening to the album. Now, obviously, if you've listened to this album, you know that it's just like, it's a fucking great cohesive piece of art, right? This whole, the entire thing is just so beautifully well done. So you know, cut to when he gets to the end of Have a Cigar. And it goes, Phew. my dad had a fucking panic attack. He had just gotten this system. He was losing his fucking mind. What the hell happened 
how did like did this album just blew my entire sound system and at this point you have to remember you you're not using spotify like these things aren't something that you can just rewind using a mouse so it's like he can't just like pick up the fucking needle and move it around until he finds this you know this first edition fucking pink floyd vinyl as well like you want to treat this with respect so he's just sitting there like freaking the fuck out and then everything is made okay by that guitar solo at the and very beginning solo of Wish You Were Here. Is so incredible. I also have a little anecdote about Wish You Were Here. This was the song that I performed during my eighth grade talent show. Fun. Yeah. I did really, really great. And actually, uh, this is even more fun. Um, because, you know, at, at my school, we had quite a few kids. We had like 1,200 kids in my middle you school. You know what I did for my uh, seventh grade talent show? Just real quick. Real quick. What did you do for your seventh The Trooper. Let's make, let, <laughs> let's, let's make this about you. Let's do it. Um, so, so I did The Trooper by Iron Maiden. There you go. Cool. That was a fantastic story. So <laughs> what I oh, did <laughs> is I, I practiced like crazy. I had never sang in front of anybody before. Um, it, was, it was honestly a pretty crazy time. Um, and it. so I was, I was practicing and I had an electric guitar. Right, because oh, no. I was all about I was all about fucking shredding the gnar, being being the grunge and, boy, and I had a, a a a Spanish acoustic guitar with the nylon strings, like the uh, much thicker strings. Classical, for, uh, yeah, like a, a, a classical guitar. Uh, I had I, that was the only acoustic guitar that I had. Um, so I remember that I went into my guitar lesson with my now uh, brother-in-law, um, and. He, I, I had forgotten my guitar because I don't remember what happened. I, I, I wasn't able to make it home, something like that. And he was like, "Hey, just pull off a, pull off that guitar, uh, over, over there." And I was trying to nail this solo, um, and I, I was never able to do it on the, uh, on the nylon guitar. So I tried it with the steel string acoustic guitar, um, and it sounded so fucking good. And I nailed it. And he was like. Hey, do you want to use that? Do you want to use that when you perform? And I was like, fuck yeah, I want to use this when I perform. Jesus. Oh, hell like, yeah. That, that's awesome. Uh, this was like a $600 guitar. And, you know, I'm like 12. So, so you're not really uh, thinking like, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not I, I, like, I was stoked. So then, um, and this was towards the end of the year. This was like May-ish. Uh, so then I went, I performed, fucking murdered it. It was so sweet. I did the guitar solo perfectly. Uh, it was fantastic. Everybody was super surprised. I felt really good. This is where my, my ego started to get a little inflated when I was 12. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, then, no, I'm, I'm pretty badass. And then uh, when I went to return the guitar, my now brother-in-law uh, said, go ahead, happy birthday. It sounds better anyway. And I, and I still have the guitar sitting in the next room and I play it all the time and it's awesome. Um, so that's my little fun story that this uh, song specifically uh, got me that fantastic guitar that I still love. Uh, to this I very day. And yeah. But this song is fucking fantastic. The way that that solo rings through. Oh God! You get goosebumps uh, after, every fucking time. You, you get goosebumps every fucking time, and and it's and it's really simple, but there's like so much emotion behind the notes that are being played, which were all Gilmore. Let me say that hundred right off the bat, 100% David Gilmore, Gilmore tossed these notes together. Roger Waters was like, "Hey, there's something there. Let's work yes. with that." That's the first time that David Gilmore. And Roger Waters worked copacetically with one another on a song. Which is obviously before this, they worked on songs together, but it was more of like, okay, you're fucking this up. You're fucking this up. This time they're like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, this is working together extremely well. Like, oh wow. Oh, okay. Yes. You know what I mean? Which is so interesting because the subject matter of the song, this is just another fucking layer. We have to go deeper. We got to go deeper um, guys. This is another aspect of like how I wish you were here because we're just two lost souls swimming in this fishbowl is the fishbowl Pink Floyd and are all of the members just kind of floating around and how they wish that they could be there for each other and collaborate on something. And they did that with this fucking track. 
Oh my god, is it so fucking good? Well, it's beautiful um, the way it all comes and, together, and the lyrical and so content simple. is so so good. Like, oh, I personally, I personally think this is my favorite Pink Floyd song, and I mean, this is you know obviously the most popular Pink Floyd song, hands down. Uh, so, I mean, it's more popular. So don't than any dark don't call me a big old bandwagon. But I mean, you kind of sound uh, like a little bandwagon, but whatever, it's all good. No, I, I, I just think I'm that just as far as like, I think as far as like general composition, as far as like experimentation, as far as like what they're able to play around with, with these uh, interesting wind sounds using synthesizers and and they weren't even uh, expecting this song to be a breakout hit. I mean, they weren't expecting this to be a hit at all. Like I said, I mean, Have a Cigar was like the single. That's that's what they were trying to do. Like, uh, was have like a big crazy hit kind of like they did with money, uh, mm-hmm. on dark side of the moon, which everybody had also um, heard. Absolutely. Uh, and so this song really is the most like in, in this album, uh, as far as the entirety of it, you know, shine on your crazy diamond there. It, it, it has like this crazy G minor blues, like almost like a Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh my God. Uh, so like ugh. guitar licks for like, that seem to go on forever. I mean, David um, Gilmore then, is just an incredible, incredible. He's, a, he's an incredible guitarist. And then, you know, going into welcome to the machine, there's obviously a lot of pent up aggression and, and there's a lot of pent dystopian up feelings behind both shine on you, crazy diamond, welcome to the machine and have a cigar. Right. Whereas this song is really the, the, one of the most compassionate, sounding tracks that they that I personally think that the group has um especially on this album maybe throughout their entire discography um one of the most uh, I I don't want to say emotional because holy shit the wall but one of the <laughs> well, most I mean um, what you know we can't even think about the wall in the context of this album I mean this is true this was before the wall I I true. and you know like that's why I kind of say this album is a very a hefty precursor to the wall. And then they, after this, exactly. they released animals, which was literally the precursor to the wall. Um, exactly. But I think that, uh, wish you were here, uh, as a song, you know, it, it almost doesn't fit on this album. It does. And it doesn't at the same time, right? Because this entire album has a very, um, gloom to it. Like it's a, it's got a, it's got a, an air of, of depression and and sadness and then wish you were here comes on and it's this very beautiful compassionate uh you know like empathetic moving through the fucking forest yeah yeah it's you you know you see it everything else on this album is the forest this is the only glimmer of like exactly almost almost like you know a resolution to all of the chaos that they've kind of been experiencing as a group and and i feel like that that was the place in which wish you were here was meant to come from right exactly. like and and, and again then, there are some lyrics that definitely hint towards sid barrett uh one of which is is a little a little more on the cryptic side but i feel like it's it's a lyric that i personally absolutely love and I, and i would and i would like to share it with you and it's would you exchange a walk on part in the war for a lead role in a cage now for for the folks who were like, nah, um, you can certainly see uh, a parallel working there, but obviously that's not kind of what it was was made about. Uh, that was made from a point of a very selfish front man, right? Because at at, the, at this point, you know, uh, they all had their feelings towards Sid Barrett. And Sid Barrett started kind of, you know, doing a bunch of fucking LSD and getting all crazy. And then his mental illness kind of took over. And the lead role in a cage aspect is, is kind of giving in, giving into that, right? Because, you know, if you're a walk on part in the war, you're fighting, you know, you're working for something. Whereas a lead role in a cage is you have the glitz, you have the glamour and you have the fame, but that's it. Exactly. Which is and really, absolutely like, oh, God. And, and real quick, one thing that uh, we have neglected to say is during 
the recording of Shine On You Crazy Diamond, Sid, Sid Barrett showed up in studio. And the really, really fucked up thing is none of them even recognized who he was. He had his head shaved. He had his, his head shaved, shaved, his eyebrows shaved off, which let's get into the wall just super duper fast. Uh, leads directly into a theme of the film, The Wall, the, the shaved eyebrows. Um, and, and, and nobody even really knew who this gentleman was. And once they found out it was Sid, obviously, you know, they, they, they said, hi, and like, how the fuck are you doing? And then he was like, hey, where's the, you know, where, where's the guitar? Let me, let me, you know, when, when do I start, essentially? And all they could say was, we already recorded guitars. And that was the last exchange any of them ever had with Sid Barrett, which is why yeah, I feel until, until his death in 2006. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like that's one of the reasons that the song shine on you crazy diamond just plays so fucking emotionally and hard. And just, it's just beautiful the way that that song works. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with the fact that kind of Sid Barrett came in and they were like, Oh shit. Oh shit, this is real. This is what happened to him. Like he's he's yeah. he's gotten portly. Uh he's not the same person that. we he used got, to know. You know, like like that's that's fucked up. And then and you know, and as a result they they made Shine on You Crazy Diamond. And now we're going to get into uh parts six through nine of Shine on You Crazy Diamond. Which are also fantastic. Oh, it's uh, just beautiful. It, Again, it's a perfect bookend for this album. Exactly, and and what they did is they actually recorded uh, the entirety of Shine On You Crazy Diamond, and then they cut it up in half uh, and and put it at either end of the record. It was a decision made um, like pretty late in the game, actually. Exactly, because uh, well, this was originally going to be a four-track album um, that ended with Wish You Were Here, uh, and Roger Waters thought that it ended on... Uh, too light of a note. It was too abrupt. Um, it was too br- abrupt it, it, of an ending. It wasn't exactly. It wasn't uh, worthy of Pink Floyd, essentially. Personally, which I agree. I personally uh, agree. With that. I I disagree. I would have loved it if Shine on Your Crazy Diamond would have been, uh, if parts. I mean, I mean, part one and two. Let's be real. Um, if, <laughs> if part one was right at the very beginning, part two was in between. Welcome, welcome to the machine, and have a cigar. Uh, because frankly, uh, in my personal opinion, um, having those two songs directly after each other, uh, seems a little redundant, uh, if it's just switching perspectives, um, uh, listen, no, uh, shut up. So, uh, then I wish that it, in between those two tracks, they would have had part two, technically part two of shine on and then have a scar and then wish you were here. And the main reason why is because the synthesized wind sounds at the end of Wish You Were Here, I think would have been a fantastic way to close out the album because it still leaves like a slightly ominous tone uh, on the entirety of the thing. And it like the symbiosis of it being that, you know, none of this really matters because fucking uh, the wind will just blow us on through anyway. Um, or... Uh, you know, and nobody can hear us because this wind is blowing so loud or anything like that. Um, however, that doesn't negate the fact that part two of Shine On You Crazy Diamond uh, is just fantastic. It's a way to kind of bring back that kind of melancholy nature. Hold, hold of... on a second. Let's just let's just get into this. Let's get into this for a second. Okay. So obviously I disagree with you on this. Yes. Wholeheartedly. <laughs> Um, and, and, and here's the reason why. So Pink Floyd is kind of known for having these albums that give you a sense of like hefty catharsis, very heavy catharsis, right? Because, you know, you listen to, to dark side of the moon and, and, and the way that that album ends is so perfect. And that's what makes the entire album feel like one song right or you listen to metal and you li- and, the, and the end of that album is 22 minutes long in a song in the form called echoes right now if they were to end on wish you were here 
I feel like this album would feel a lot less cohesive, right? Because what they were trying to do with this book ending of Shine On You Crazy Diamond was make the entire concept like this is still all about Sid. This whole album is still all about Sid. Everything that we are talking about is still about Sid fucking Barrett, right? Whereas if they would have said, okay, here's Shine On Your Crazy Diamond, and then here's fucking um, Welcome to the Machine, Welcome then here's Machine. part two, you would have, that part of the album would have been about Sid Barrett, right? But without that beautiful, and, and, and again, Pink Floyd, I, again, I come back to this, has these giant, crazy, cathartic endings. And Wish You Were Here, though it is an absolutely gorgeous, beautiful song, is not that to me. Well, and that's totally fair. You know, I, I, I do think that the way that it is, is honestly perfect. I just think that as far as the uh, symbology of uh, what they were really trying to go for, um, I think that it would have been uh, a little bit like they're, they're all about experimentation. And I think breaking away from their mold of these crazy cathartic endings um, would have been honestly, I think uh, very satisfying to hear, but that doesn't negate the fact that the final track on this album is just fantastic. Uh, it brings the same four note uh, melody in there. It's very somber. Uh, it's very emotional, uh, and there's honestly not that many lyrics on it, uh, but it is just so fucking good. And that's really it. You know, Wish You Were Here was really kind of the, um, it, it was really kind of a sophomore album of sorts. And, you know, sophomore albums are usually plagued with being, uh, you know, very, uh, I guess, lackluster. Uh, something that doesn't necessarily live up to the hype, something that doesn't uh, do their debut justice. But, I mean, this thing really kind of set a new bar. I personally think this album is better than Dark Side of the Moon. Um, Sweeping declaration, I feel this is the most underrated of all of the Pink Floyd albums. And, and, and 100% agree. And let me kind of preface by saying, you know, obviously... Dark Side of the Moon was the album that came out right before this. And Dark Side of the Moon is absolutely amazing. And Wish You Were Here is, by and large, the most popular Pink Floyd song of all time. Um, however, Wish You Were Here is a lot more than just Wish You Were Here. Right? Because I know Great. a lot of people who know the song Wish You Were Here, but don't even know there's a fucking album called Wish You Were Here. And, and I've never heard And you're Shana missing out so fucking hard. By not Absolutely. listening to this just beautiful piece of just, ah, oh, it's so fucking good. Now, is it better than Dark Side of the Moon? No. Is it a 10? Yes. It is. Just, just, there you go, guys. Like, this album's a this fucking album's 10, a 10. 150%. And frankly, I mean, we, we really try to focus a lot on uh, albums, uh, you know, cohesive albums uh, through a decade under the influence. and. You know, a lot of people know of Pink Floyd, a lot of people, uh, and, and I'm guilty of this as well, uh, with artists probably pre-1958, um, that I know specific singles by uh, older artists. Sure. Uh, but I've never really kind of delved into um, the actual albums that they released, the actual LPs, uh, what they were really kind of going for. Well, and the thing and that's crazy that... with Pink Floyd is I don't understand how you couldn't. Right? Like, unless exactly. you just literally only ever listened to Wish You Were Here. That is, like, kind of the one time where I'd be like, okay, I get it. Well, or, or like, like uh, you know, uh, Wish You Were Here, Comfortably Numb, uh, Another Brick in the Wall. Even then, though, Comfortably uh, Numb, Another Brick in the Wall, or even Money, they all have these themes and tones and beginnings and endings that are literally calling for more. Whereas Wish You Were Here, uh, again, to, you know, to, to your credit here, is a very cohesive like song, right? Like it's Absolutely. the ending is very like, okay, that song ended. Whereas like comfortably numb or another brick in the wall legitimately lead right into another song. If you'll notice on the radio, they like, they fade that shit out pretty hard Absolutely. so that you're not literally like, Oh, what's next? You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. or even money. 
you know, money, a little less so. Money was uh, like a little bit more of a cohesive hit of theirs. But um, again, you know, it, it's really hard to to not get into Pink, Pink Floyd in the way that, that we're speaking about. And so really go out, listen to this thing. It's only five tracks. Um, it, it's a really quick listen, uh, especially it, like nothing really kind of drags on. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you don't, you don't realize with, the amount of time you're, you're spending. The way that they play with soundscapes, the way that they play with themes, uh, the, the different types of music that you hear uh, within these five tracks, this is just a quintessential prog rock album, and it is so incredible. And that's really it. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate all of you for listening. Uh, we are on Apple podcasts. We've got five star reviews. Uh, thank you. Thank you, are, everybody. Thank, thank you so much, so much. for those ratings. Uh, we were, please, please go humbled. out, share this thing from Spotify. Uh, give us a five star rating. If you, if you like the show, um, write a little review on there. If you'd like that really will actually help us out, get us more exposure. Uh, you may not think it does, but it absolutely it, does. It totally does. Um, and I, I, I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, like us on Facebook uh, at A Decade Under the Influence. Uh, follow us on Instagram at A Decade Under. Um, follow us on Twitter at A Decade Under as well. Uh, follow me uh, at Slaughter Pops uh, on Instagram to find out about my life and see really cute wedding pictures of me and my wife and things like and that. And his dogs. Uh, that, and my dogs. My dogs are fantastic. Um, follow Jake on his Instagram. Uh, J Lawrence at lrntz.jpg. There it is. See, <laughs> sorry, dude. Like I at Lawrence. It's dot, clever. Okay. It it is. It is. I I get it. Um, you, you'll only yeah. really see like my photography stuff. Don't also uh, if if you if you have the time if you if you dig this show go check out my show. I hope this doesn't suck. Uh, I actually just also recently hit that five star thing, and I'm I'm very excited about it. And I've also introduced guests onto the show so so go check that out as well and and again and guys be a guest yeah yeah one of these lucas episodes. may be a guest and we may just simply talk about this specific podcast so if you really want to get into that you know do that also uh if you if you didn't yet listen to uh to rambles and jambles it's just kind of lucas and i's um i guess you could call it a debriefing it's just it, just rambling on about you know, god knows what at any given time um, really, it's a podcast that exists to pass our time while our audio clips update. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, it really is. So it's, 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 uh, it, 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 it's crazy. We talk about video games. We talk about whatever. It'll be posted on uh, this channel. It'll be posted under a decade under the influence. It's a decade under um, the influence podcast. So Yes. Um, and yeah, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Also, uh, hope you guys dig so the new album listening. art. Super fun. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, Jake works really, really hard on that. And that's what we look like. So there you go. It's like we got um, slapped by a little bit extra ugly, but we really do look like that. We look okay. <laughs> we, we look good. We most definitely look like we have a podcast. That's for sure. Oh yeah. We look like podcasters. That Absolutely. Certainly not. A, a sedentary lifestyle. Yes. Yeah, definitely not a, uh, we don't, we're not on the move. As, no as way. It were. We're not out of breath right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, my mouth is very dry, but, but thank you guys so much. <laughs> we guys just one last time. One thing I really, really want to get into your heads is listen to this fucking album, please. Listen it's so it. important. It. It's so fucking important and it's so good. And if you like Pink Floyd and you haven't listened to this album, then God damn it. You don't really like Pink Floyd now, do you? And if you like Wish You Were Here, uh, the song, you will absolutely like this album. If you like Money, uh, you will absolutely like this album. And if you are a huge fan of Pink Floyd, um, you know what? Go back, revisit this thing. Go watch those documentaries to get a little bit more insight to it. Uh, and really just kind of sit down and appreciate what the, you know, Roger Waters and his egotistical self uh, kind of gave us. Um, but that's it. Yeah. We're out. Yep. Have a good, have a good night, guys.
Get it back in the back. 